Hey guys, my name is Brad Parker. My definition of relentless is never giving up. Always chase opportunities. Always chase after your dreams no matter what people tell you. Because the only decision maker in your life is you. Chase after it. Go get it. Be relentless. Be passionate. And, and just love what you do. And every single day when you wake up, it doesn't feel like work. And again, just be relentless and never give up. Remember, it's not about me. It's about we. On this episode of the Relentless Podcast, I'm excited to have Brad Barco. Brad is a disabilities consultant. He was given 24 hours to live, and almost 30 years later, living with cerebral palsy, he's still in the game. And he's not just in the game, he's actually thriving in it. Using his disability to both inspire others and to create positive change, his story is one of the most inspirational and heartwarming ones that we've ever come across. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Relentless Podcast. I'm Kyle Dubay. Very happy to be here with our guest today. Uh, uh, I call him a young lad because he's way younger than me. Brad Bartko. That's correct. Who is the uh, the president, the CEO, the 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 head honcho of a company called yeah. Accessible by Design. Yeah. And today we are going to talk to Brad about his life. We are going uh, his 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 life story. We're going to talk to Brad about his journey as a person with disabilities and what he does now for a living um, with his company. So we're really happy to have you here, Brad. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Kyle. And uh, I got to say, what a miraculous setup. It's incredible. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, thanks. Road 55, who produces all of our stuff. It's a pretty awesome studio. We're very lucky to have them as part of You Can You Services Live. So um, listen, let's get right into it. You and I met... Actually, because you know somebody uh, who, was a, who was a guest on the podcast before, mm-hmm. you, you saw it, tweeted out, um, we, we connected on Twitter, I yeah. checked you out a little bit, uh, and, and I heard you on another program, and I thought, this guy, let's get this guy on here. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a couple times, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you do later, sure. um, and, and why we met up earlier this week, but Brad... I'm excited to have you on because um, as we talked earlier this week when we hung out, uh, growing up around some people with disabilities, different types of disabilities, um, when I was younger, and I I would suggest that that it's like this for a lot of people, and I think it's actually like this even for people when they get older, if they don't live with somebody with disabilities or they're not around somebody with disabilities a lot, Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do they don't yeah. know how to act they don't yeah. know what to say for sure um i believe it's fear driven sure. i believe it's it's an ignorance of of uh, a lack of knowledge um and we talked a bit about that the other day which is interesting mm-hmm. so we did we're gonna get into that a little bit later too sure. but before we do tell us about you tell us about kind of your life story because i do know this about you you when you were born essentially were given you were born three months early yeah, three and we're, we're given yeah. 24 hours to live, and now almost 30 years later, here you are. Yeah, tell us your story, man. Yeah, you 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 hit the nail on the head. 24 hours to live, three months premature. It's crazy, you know. Uh, my mom was 16 years old, didn't even know she was pregnant. Was thought she was going in for an appendix surgery, and uh, you know, upon further testing, they said, "No, you're pregnant. We got to get this baby out now." They, she, she didn't even know she was pregnant. I had no idea. No, no symptoms. Like she no, was no. six months pregnant. Didn't even know. They had no idea. That's wow. how small I was. So I'll put I'll put it to you in perspective. So three months premature, 
24 hours to live, but when I came out, I was so small I can fit in the palm of your hand. I was just just over three pounds. Wow. That was it. Um, you know, some bleeding in the brain, all the, and that's that's why they kind of 24 hours to live. He's so small. We, you know, obviously technology wasn't as advanced right. in 1993 as it is in 2023. But yeah. um, you know, and right away they they took me away from my parents and told them to you know brace themselves. 24 hours to live. This is it. Uh, you know, and you can imagine at 16, and my dad was 18. That you know, it's that's a pretty scary thing. And they took me away, threw me in an incubator, hooked me up to a bunch of tubes, hooked me up to a bunch of machines. I had one fully developed lung, uh, one lung that wasn't fully developed. So I had a lot of breathing tubes and machines coming out in, in every which way. And I spent 76 days in an incubator wow. fighting for my life. Wow. And uh, day 77, I finally got to go home and see the world. Um, Pretty incredible. You know, it's... Unfortunately, my dad, you know, or I call him my, you know, he's, he gave, you know, he helped me, obviously, you know, birthed me, but he walked out of my uh, of my life, and it was too much for him to handle at, at 18, so, <coughs> excuse me, um, and, you know, my mom was 16, single, and what do I do now, mm. right, and uh, I wasn't diagnosed with a official diagnosis of cerebral palsy until I was about two years old. Okay. And I was diagnosed with uh, mild CP and severe spasticity. So what that means is, um, you know, fully functionable everywhere else. I can feel everything. Uh, it just, the best way I can describe it is my bones grow faster than my muscles. All right. And everything just gets a little tighter. As you can tell, left side's pretty good. Right side, not so much. It's okay. it's not going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's it's nothing that progresses over time. It's, you know, it's it's nothing that gets worse. It's not going to disappear over time. It's something I live with, and that's just the way it is. Um, you know, there's there's variations of CP, though, Kyle. There's, you know, mild CP and uh, what I got, but a very also mild spasticity. So you'll see people that will walk. They'll walk with a limp. You know, they'll walk with a cane or something like that. Um, it's also in the core muscles. I got no real core muscles, so no real balance. So that's, you know, hence the chair and the chair full-time to... Help me keep me upright and and you know above above ground or above right. water and then of course you got your other side where you got severe CP where most of, most of the time you're nonverbal uh, most of the time you're tube fed you're twenty four seven care uh, there in some incidents there's seizures um, all the time it's you know it can be it can be pretty uh, pretty scary so when uh, so I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not. <coughs> I don't. Well, I, I don't. I would say I don't think I'm a dumb person, but most people I know well, I might think I'm dumb. Nah. But I, I also wanted to ask you questions because I truthfully don't know a lot about CP. Sure, sure. And I think that this is very going to be very educational for people that are listening. That's the plan. That's the plan, and I'm just really curious too. Mm. So you didn't get diagnosed until you were two years old, yeah. but I'm assuming we should almost have your mom on here to talk about this yeah. uh, because I, it sounds like she 20 plus be, surgeries as well. All that stuff. It, 20 plus surgeries by the a, time you were how old? By the time I was 18. Man. Oh man. So the thing is, they wouldn't operate after I was 18 because they wouldn't cover it and all that, all that stuff too. It was, so your mom though had to be relentless in oh, her 100, journey 100%. As, a, as a parent, right? You Which know, is my, incredible. my, my dad that stepped in when I was a year and a half and your stepdad, uh, 
my yeah and that, that's dad right he yeah. raised me and he was there in bedsides for surgery graduation all that stuff and yeah you know you talk about relentless those, those are two most relentless people i know so let's step back a little bit so you sure. are two years old they diagnose you your mom had to have been seeing like okay something is yeah. happening here like what yeah. is going on because i'm assuming but i have no idea mm-hmm. i'm assuming your movements weren't yeah the same, like you weren't crawling you weren't yeah. walking you weren't doing those things yeah 100 percent. Right? yeah and that's that those are the key right you're typically two years old you're you're grabbing onto things you're falling over you're you're learning how to walk sure you're, you know you get to that point i i wasn't doing that there was no there was no even real motivation to get up and walk right so they knew okay there's got to be something is it is it autism is it because they didn't know either right, right. They, what is was a disability what is cp at when i was two my mom was 18 so she didn't know anything, right? So then when we got that, di- when I got diagnosed, it was a lot of learning as we go, okay? Yeah. A lot of Glen Rose visits. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, now getting fitted for a wheelchair, getting fitted for, you know, all these the walkers. How old were you when you went into a wheelchair? I think I was about two. Probably give or take, yeah. For Just the first. a tiny little mini wheelchair. Yeah, it was... It was mini, yeah. So probably you, bigger than I was. Yeah, at that probably. Point. Yeah, yeah. So here's a question yeah. for you: Are you able to walk with a walker? Yeah, I can walk short distances. So t- you can do that short today. distances. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Um, the only real difference you'd see is, you know, my 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 feet would, and again, it's just a cause of the CP. Um, I would walk more so on my on my inner feet instead okay. of my, and that's just again, that's something we live with. It's yeah. nothing I can control. Nothing yeah. I did. Um, it's actually also a a, uh, a byproduct of a surgery gone wrong oh, when okay. I was two years old. They don't do that surgery anymore. I was a guinea pig, mm. and there's, there's a reason why they don't do it. So um, that's so you know, twenty story for a different day. Yeah. You were literally in and out of the hospital all the time. All the time. Up. Yeah, I've had almost. I've had my legs completely broken and restructured. I've had my ankle snipped. I've had my jaw busted. I've had. You know, Botox multiple times in multiple legs. And, and the reason Botox is they loosen up the muscles. Mm. So they'd get, because they get so tight, yeah. they'd loosen those up and do that. Uh, the the biggest one was when I was 17. They decided to break my, break my legs from basically the kneecaps or below the knees up the whole way up. I was, you know, six months, six months rehab in the hospital. And, so uh, so what do they do? They break them and then they like so put them back together. When I when I was so when I was born because of CP, my your knees are your knees are like this, right? Okay. They're normally straight, just like yours. Yeah. If you my, just for people listening, go to YouTube and you can watch this. You okay. can watch this, yeah. So they'd be they're straight, they're bang on. Yeah. Mine were like this and they would knock. Right. And my knees were bent because my hamstrings were so tight. Right. So I'd walk with a bend and so they they busted that, turned them in, turned my kneecaps in to where they should be. They busted my femur, straightened my leg out. So you had two sides. breaks per leg. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And did they pin yeah. them? They pinned them. Yeah. There's pins and screws and needles. If I can, uh, you know, obviously I'm not gonna get yeah, naked yeah. here, but no, let's there, maybe there's a bunch time. of screws. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time, bro. Let's get to know each other a bit better. We'll jump the pool next time. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> We'll do it from a hot tub. Well, yeah. yeah, I love that idea. We should do a hot tub. Yeah, let's do it. Podcast. I love it. Yeah. I, I don't think people would want to watch me in a hot tub. But. 
So this is just incredible to me that, that they were breaking. Like, yeah. but, but you had 20 surgeries. Yeah. You Now, you grew up in Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, that's right. So, so what was that like even for your education? Like you were in and out of school all the time probably. Man, I, you know what? I, I, got, I got lucky. My, the group of friends that I had um, didn't treat me any differently. Right. They didn't see my chair. Right. They saw me. Right. They saw that, that kid that would show up with casts on. The kid that, and they would sign the cast, or that kid that would, you know, because the playground's not built for you, the kid that would sit on the outside of the playground where kids play, and they always found different ways to, to include me. Mm. And, you know, I credit my parents because, you know, when you sit in an elevator, they, they teach you not to talk to strangers, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't care because I wanted people to know I'm me. This thing that I have, the four wheels strapped on my ass, has nothing to do with who I am. You said to me the other day when we met, and we're going to go back to your friends in a second, mm-hmm. but you said to me the other day when we met, and I absolutely love this, you said, uh, I am a person with a disability. I am not a disability with a person. Yeah, and 100%. And it really, it, 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 it stuck with me. And yeah. I've actually told a few people that I learned that this week mm-hmm. because like I said to you earlier when I was young, in particular a kid, Yeah. Um, well, this is the language I'll use. We, I would say me and many people in my life, we were fearful yep. of people with disabilities. 100%. Because we didn't understand. We didn't know. Um, and as kids, kids can be cruel right up into young adulthood, teenage, where you just, I mean, I'll be very honest. I told you about it the other day. There is a few kids that we grew up with, uh, a couple in particular, that me and some folks, we, we made fun of them. We, yeah. we were not nice to them. And yeah. I'm not proud to say that. Of course. Um, those have been fixed sure. since. Sure. Um, but for you growing up, what you said earlier, uh, it, it actually made me sad when you said, for the kid uh, being in the playground that wasn't built for him, sitting on the sidelines watching, I'm assuming yeah. that has been a lot of your life. Yeah. You know, Kyle, you, you, go, you go to my webpage, and the first thing you see is a picture of me and a great friend of mine who has been friends for 20 years, my best friend in the world. He's uh, best best man at my wedding, all this stuff. But he took a photo in, uh, you know, the the the, um, the park downtown, and I'm looking up at these stairs, and he's got this shot behind me, and I'm looking up at him because I can't get up him. And it, the ca- the caption on the bottom is, "Imagine living in a world that wasn't built for you." Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know not just my everyday occurrence. It's almost too built. There's, the, the Canada stats say 1.25 billion people live with a disability on this planet. That's probably closer to two. You got to take into account people that don't report their disability, the invisible disabilities, all this stuff. Uh, there's about two billion people on this planet that live with disability, and they're probably they probably feel the same way. Um, you know, and, and this is this is the whole thing. It's it's time. You mentioned the you know being scared and all this stuff. It's it's time to let's educate ourselves. Yeah. Let's understand better because we all have three things in common, and we talked about this. We all pay taxes. Unfortunately, I've talked to mayors, but mm. we can't lower those. You know, unless you're being cryogenic or frozen, we're all going to die eventually, yeah. right? That's the way it is, and we're all going to live with a disability in some way, shape, or form. So that's interesting. We're all going to live with a disability in some way, shape, or form. What do you mean by that? Old age, right? Okay. You you fall, you break a hip, you're technically temporarily disabled. Yeah. You go skiing right now this weekend, knock on wood, 
something happens, you're temporarily disabled. Um, I had a I had a great friend of mine. He woke up one day, one day in Vegas, paralyzed on the waist down. Hmm. His whole world changed. I have a real good friend of mine. He's, you know, we have an office together. He used to be a former UFC fighter. Completely, you know, he uh, he had, he got sick, attacked his nervous system. Within months, he was on his deathbed, paralyzed, fighting for his life to come back. And now his world is different. He walks with a cane, all this stuff, right? So, um, whether that's old age, again, accidents, um, sickness, whatever it may be, right? Depression right now, depression is considered a disability in some way, shape, or form because you can't work or you work in a limited capacity sure. or whatever that may be. ADHD is an invisible disability. Sure. Right? You can become blind. You can become deaf. You know, whatever can happen to you at any given time. So I'll t- And guess what? Hold, hold, sorry. Disability, I want to make one thing clear too because people always say, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Disability does not discriminate. Right. You can be black. You can be white. You can be, you know, whatever race on the planet. It does not care, no. male, male, female, whatever, rich, poor, whatever. You're dis- you can be disabled. It, it, until I met you, and I heard you say everybody mm-hmm. is going to be disabled at some point in their lives. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. And to, to be honest with you, and and some people in my life know this, and I'll throw it out there right now. Um, my, I, I, I'm getting there. I, I I have a, well, I'm going to say self-inflicted, type 2 diabetes, never took care of it, neurothropy in my feet. Uh, I think some people think I'm drunk when I walk in. It's not. I said I have, mm-hmm. I can't feel my feet and I have really bad balance. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. because of that, I've actually lost leg strength and all that type of stuff. And it's, it's, it's affecting my life. Sure. Actually, quite badly, which is becoming a disability to me. I actually don't have the ability to do certain things. So 100%. essentially, I think... I'm starting to go through this right now and I need to figure out and adapt some things in my life. Absolutely. Now, all that being said, what you've been through for almost 30 years, um, wheelchair bound, it's a lot different uh, for you whenever you're looking at stairs and thinking, how do I get up there? Um, And you're right, this world was not built for a guy like you. But at the end of the day, it, it, what I think what has to happen is it needs to be built that way, but it needs to also be built, adapted to be more accessible 100%. for a guy like you, right? Yeah. And those 2 billion people in the world that need it. So yeah. that'll lead us to, um, you know, talking to you right now about, uh, about your job. Mm. So, <laughs> and this is, this is what I was so interested, well, I'm so interested in talking to you about everything, but you started a company... Tell the story of not what you do yeah. yet, but why. Yeah. This is what you are. You are a disability consultant. Yeah. You're going to explain it better than I will later, but you uh, uh, consult with <coughs> restaurants, bars, anyone that will consult with you, really. Yeah, anybody. To yeah. see how we can make this world, buildings in particular, all this stuff, more accessible uh, yeah. for people with disabilities. But talk to me about where this came from yeah craziness um you know it, it started early uh and then i'll kind of you know dive into how it evolved but my mom was 16 again 
looking for supports, didn't know where to go. I mean, you're 16, what do you, you're a kid yourself, what do you do? Mm -hmm. She went to the government for help or assistance or maybe some funding or, or grants or whatever, just for help. And they, t they flat out told her I wasn't disabled enough. I didn't need 24-7 care, so I didn't need that group home mentality. But I also wasn't fully independent. So I, I always needed assistance with something, whether it was small or whatever. So I fell between the cracks of the system. You were the in-betweener. And so many people do. Yeah. So I didn't, but, but Kyle, I didn't realize it until I turned 18 and became an adult. I was at a bar one night with a group of friends. Uh, you know, buddy's birthday party. We're, we're on White Ave. We're having a good time, dancing, drinking. And I had to use a bathroom, like everybody, right? Surprise, the guy in the wheelchair's got to pee, mm -hmm. right? It's, you see people's faces, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so I had to use a bathroom. I asked a waitress if they had a bathroom. And she, she looked at me and she goes, the only bathroom I have is down nine stairs. And I looked at her and I kind of made a joke because that's just who I am. I yeah. try to make light of the situation. And I said, well, I don't know if you've seen me today, but I got, I got four wheels strapped on my ass. Unless you're picking me up at the bottom, I can't get down the stairs. And she was like shocked. That well, I and she wouldn't know what to do. She would no, probably no. feel uncomfortable. Yeah, She'd 100%. feel embarrassed. Um, she, you know what? She might even feel a little bit mad that you're 100%. snapping back at her a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And so she got the manager, and the manager comes by and grabs a key from behind the bar and says, follow me. And this is where it gets kind of weird. I mean, you know, he led me through an active kitchen. I'm stepping over servers. I'm stepping over cooks. They're moving. They're physically moving equipment out of the way to get me through. You need to understand how this made me feel. Yeah. I don't feel like a human being at this point. I feel like a circus animal. I feel like an alien. I feel like a burden on society. Because when you look around, and it's almost like your world stops for a minute. And you can like hear everything. You can see everything. And people are whispering, and they're like, who the hell is this guy? What's that? Like, why is he doing this? What's happening? Right? So finally, we get to the kitchen, and they go down this dark hallway, and it's so dark, he needs a flashlight. We get to the end of the hallway. There's this door. Kylie opens the door. It's a glorified storage closet. There's tables, chairs, wet floor signs, mops, you name it. Was in that was in that room. In the very back, there's a toilet. No grab bar, no nothing, just a standalone toilet. I asked him two things. I said, how do you want me to get in here? Because it's going to take you 15, 20 minutes to crawl outside of here. And I got to pee. Like, I, I don't have that time. And how do you want me to get on and off the toilet safely? Because it's not your job to help me. It's a liability. And if I fall, let's be honest, I could sue you. Mm. He looked at me dead in the eye without hesitation, without even blinking, without even thinking about it. And said, it's not my problem that we don't get many of you people in my establishment. Mm. I was crushed mm. inside. I was like, is this the way the rest of my life is going to go? Just, I, I, you know, I'm pretty outgoing. I like to do things. And I like to be out there because I want to show the world that we don't need to be hidden. I don't live in a dark dungeon in the underground with Batman for 23 hours a day and right. come out an hour a day. Right. I buy groceries. I own a home. I, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it was, I was crushed. At that time, though, you were 18 years old. A hundred percent. You didn't own a home. You didn't have those things. Right, and, right. And the way that you're talking about some of your friends growing up, I, I loved when you talked about when you were younger and how they included you. They did all these things. Yeah. 
I'm not going to say that you lived in this little nice bubble of people helping you and doing that, yeah. uh, but this was really your first major experience as an 18-year-old in a bar. 100%. Being out there, having a good time. This is great. Look at me. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing this. Yeah. And then somebody says, you people. Yeah. And it must have been, like you already described it, but it that must have just been such a reality check of, oh, I'm not with my community anymore of mm-hmm. friends. This is, yeah. I'm going to say, the real world. This is the world. Right? Yeah. So so what happened? Did they move stuff for you? Did you use the bathroom? Uh, no, I actually, I, I have a, I had a real good friend um, who owned a bar down the street. And I, I basically told this guy to, you know, go where to go and how yeah. to get there. Yeah. Because I was very upset at yeah. this point. And rightfully so. And I, I went down the street and I knew... He, my my buddy's bar was somewhat accessible. Yeah. I went there and went to the bathroom and I went home. Yeah. I jumped in a, I jumped in a cab and I went home and I was crushed and and really you know I to be honest I kind of sat in my own pity for a couple of days. Sure. And I'm like, you know why me? Yeah. Why this situation? But then but then you sit there and you think and you go, you're in these situations for a reason. I'm here for a reason. Yeah. You know I'm not overly religious but. God didn't kill me for a reason. Yeah. I made it 24 hours and now almost 30 years for a reason. You have purpose. A purpose. A, a bigger why. Right? And I, I remember, you know, it became, it came full circle. I'm sitting there, COVID, in the middle of COVID. You know, I ran another business for eight years prior to that. And I just, I, I wasn't fulfilled. I wanted something even bigger. I wanted something more. I wanted to impact my people. My community, I wanted to to light a fire. I'm like, for 29 years, nobody's done anything for me. I don't expect them to. But if nobody's going to do it, it's not going to get done, so I got to do it. So I remember my best friend, we're sitting there, we're planning my documentary. I'm, I'm filming a documentary based around you know, people with disabilities in the community and accessibility and awareness. Um, so we're sitting there planning that, and he goes, Brad, why don't you start a disability business? And I looked at him and I said, I was kind of perplexed. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, you've been disabled all your life. This is all you'll know. This is all you'll ever know. You got the drive. You got the passion. You got the voice. You got the experience. Why don't you go? You were no, there's no better guy to educate the people than you. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about we. Mm-hmm. We got to come together. And make, and in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of COVID, I watched the world. You would think the world would come together in such a crazy time. I watched the world go like this. So I wanted to create something that would potentially bring the world together again mm. and heal everybody. Not not overnight, but, but you know, make a positive difference and change as we go. And I looked at my wife, and my wife's got 10-plus years of construction background. She knows code inside and out. And I said, let's do it. Let's marry the two together. I got the lived experience. I got the voice. She doesn't really like to talk. She's not in the spotlight. So she's like, I'll, I'll kind of do the back end stuff and do that. And let's do it. And we started in hospitality because of my bad experience. Right. And I didn't want to attack these people. I wanted to build a bridge. I went to these people and I said, look, this, this manager was long gone by this point. Yeah, because so, this is like 10 years later, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I talked to still the ownership group that was still in place. I told them the story because some of them didn't even know. 
So they were like, holy shit. Like, I'm so well, sorry. Of course they wouldn't know because they weren't there. And you think that manager told that story to people? Of course, of course he didn't. So I went to them. I said, look, I want to help you. I want to help you become accessible. I want to show you ways to open your doors for a brand new demographic. One, you make money. Let's talk about it on a business standpoint. You make money because you're opening your doors to a demographic you've never probably served before. And if you make them feel comfortable, if you're equipped with these things, they'll keep coming back. You got customers for life. And guess what? You got a community for life because those people are going to tell their friends. They're going to make a positive post on social media and you're going to have people for life. And they started to see and they go, let's do it. Yeah. And we, we've, I, I've trained, I launched a specialized training program. So I trained staff on, on, on wording, simply wording to use, how to greet people with disabilities, what to look for. Okay. How do, how do, how, so uh, how do you greet somebody with a disability? So for me, I, I would use me as an example. For me, I hate when somebody bends down. Interesting. And, and, and looks, I just find it, some people don't mind it. For me personally, I find it as a sign of disrespect. Stand up when you talk to me. I'm a human being. Yeah. I deserve the respect as well. Look me in the eye and have a conversation. Right? So, telling people even that story, they go, I wouldn't even think of that. Right? Like, holy crap. Sure. And, and sorry, I'm trying to process it right now, so let's process it together. Sure. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Truth be told, though, I don't think that I would have ever bent down or, like, kneeled down. Like, I no. would almost feel like I was I was trying to, sure. to be sure. literally you were act, treat you like a child if sure. I did that. Right? Sure. And that's, again, what they don't know, they don't know. Right. Hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Dubay, and I'm the host of the Relentless Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're going to join us. Being relentless is not easy, but being relentless can work. That was the aha moment. Then the work started. Yeah. Specifically, what I cared about was the organizations that were having an impact in the lives of youth. Everybody's welcome down yeah. here, and that's what we wanted the ballpark. Inclusive. It is inclusive. For your first podcast, you really went all out. It, we're not playing here. Like we're This is what we do. This looks like... Uh, like a low rent UFC show, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you you're know like me a the bit. Dana White of you can. Uh, with the bald head, you're, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And Dana I'm, Beige. Yeah. I love talking to these folks. I love learning about them, hearing their stories, and I hope that it's going to be the same for you. So, correcting that now, getting them to take those extra couple seconds of just before you act, let's think about it. And then let's act, right? Even things to, because when you're dealing with people with invisible disabilities, there's certain things to, can you look for demeanors? Can you look for maybe the way they're interacting with their table? The way they're, and that's how you approach that. You know, can we, can we come up with a system where we have Braille on menus for, for blind people that come into your bar? It's, it's, it doesn't need to be all about money either. I, I talked about things of having high tables and low tables. For me, I got a small chair. I need a low table. For somebody like elves that's got a bigger chair, they need a high table. You know, spacing in between tables, bathrooms, buttons on the doors to get into the, and make sure there's no obstructions, there's no benches in the way. There's none of that crazy Stairs. Thing. Stairs. Right. Right? Having an alternative. Is, is it possible, depending on your building, can you build a ramp? Right. There's some, you can build a ramp yourself if you want to, 
right? I, there's a great example of a bar I was at yesterday for my mom's birthday. I gave them a recommendation because they don't own the building. They go, well, we don't want to make a, and that was fine. Can you build a ramp permanently? You put it there, and, you know, able-bodied people can walk up, whatever. Sure. Right? It's still aesthetically pleasing. And I went there yesterday and they built it. Nice. They had it done. Nice. They took my recommendation. But, you know. So it's, it's, so it's interesting. That's the place you're going to go back to. A hundred percent. Because the there, because awesome. the, because there is a business side of this for these businesses, yeah. um, and uh, we're not just talking about hospitality though no. in these businesses. But if you look no. at it that way, like you said earlier, um, they can attract more clientele mm-hmm. who need the accessibility part put in if they do it. I just watched the <laughs> story last night on the news, and, and I don't know if you've seen this, Brad. Um, and if not, I'm going to feel really cool that I know something that, sure. that you don't know about this. Sure. But there's a, a dentist office in Edmonton. Have you I seen this? I did see it. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I yeah, thought I it was so cool. That, I know the girl who was in the video. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're cooler than I yeah. am. Whatever. So anyways, this this dentist has put in a, uh, a system, an accessibility yeah. system, yeah. so that people in wheelchairs can go to her, stay in their chair, yeah. They 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 go into the the it's a kind of a ramp that ends yeah. up tilting back, but it's all secured so that the person can go to the dentist with the comfort of being in their chair, not having to get lifted and assistance yes. and going into the dentist chair which is very uncomfortable and very difficult at times. Yes. And and basically this dentist is saying a lot of people their their teeth are getting a little messed up because they don't want to come to the dentist until they absolutely have to. Prime example. And th- okay. Yeah. So that, that so that's it, something that we would never even think about. Um, you know, me me not having that disability mm-hmm. or that issue, I would never think. Oh well, Brad wouldn't go to the dentist. Yeah. I just wouldn't think that. Yeah. Right. But you yeah. but you would stay away because of that. Yeah. If if I didn't have so if I didn't have the ability to either have my wife have an assistant. Whatever the case may be, and I, 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 I knew that in order for me to get my teeth cleaned, in order for me to get my teeth looked at, or whatever it is, it could be a dentist, it could be a doctor's office, whatever time an exam, or whatever it is, and I know I have to be lifted. One is uncomfortable for me, because yeah. I don't like to be touched. Right. Don't touch me. Right. Don't like. I'm not a toy. I'm not a doll. Right? And it's awkward for the other Which person. Which I think is pretty normal for people to not want to be touched right. by strangers. And it's also awkward for the other person because right. maybe they're not in that situation. So, okay, how do I lift this person without, if I hurt them, if I, if I drop break them, if I, something. All right? these like, things, they're not trained to do that. Right. They're not physiotherapists no. or, or, or occupational no. therapists. Right. Exactly. So that's a lot of pressure to put on both sides. For sure, right? So, so, but kudos to the dentist. Yeah, this is being proactive. The only one in Alberta, and there's only three in Canada, and it's 2023. And how many dentists are there in this city, let alone this province or this country? Yeah, that's my point. And uh, you know, I'm not here to slag on dentists. (laughs) They make a little bank. Of course, they could probably afford to put these things in their their dentist. You know what? It's it's um, if it's not a priority, they won't do it. Right. If it's not, if they don't see the importance, if they don't see the need, they won't do it. Right. I literally, I literally had bar managers come up to me. Why do I need to do that? I have a back door for you to go through. Mm. Let me ask you something. Would you feel comfortable going through the back door of a bar every time? Mm. But your friends go through the front door. 
Yeah, it's it's. But you're going through the side door. You're going through a special entrance. You're going through the kitchen. You're going through this. You're going through that. Well, essentially, this is the way that I would put it. Tell me if this is an an ignorant way to say it. You're already a marginalized person. You're making it worse. And now you're just being more marginalized. 100%. And and let me put it this way. You know, people are like, well, you know, it's the government's job to do this. It's just we got to come together as a society and make these changes. I don't care what the guy in the ivory tower is doing. He can make all these policy changes, whatever. It's up to us to do it together. You know, right now, currently, to be accessible, it's a recommendation. How about we make it a standard? You told me that uh, Alberta and what other province? Alberta and Nova Scotia. Are the only two provinces in this country that don't have laws around this? Yep. Talk about that. So Ontario uh, first uh, introduced their Ontario Disability Act. In 1990 or 1998, and that was basically they wanted to set a precedence. They wanted to set a standard that if you were below a certain threshold, whatever that threshold was for them, that you know there'd be fines involved, there'd be certain things involved. But basically, what they turned it into is just a piece of paper. You know, nobody follows rules. Nobody, you go like I was just in. Cause my wife's from Ontario. I was just in Ontario in June of last year, and they built a brand new train station. Brand new. This thing is no less than 10 years old. There's escalators or elevators everywhere. Probably 12 of them. There's a food court down below. I was hungry. It was a nine-hour day. Yeah. I wanted food. How many elevator, How many of those elevators went down to the food court? Zero. Hmm. They were all escalators. So I'm looking. I go, if I'm by myself, I'm fucked. Yeah. So my wife, my poor wife, had to go down the escalator and find food because I couldn't get down. But you got 12 elevators, but none go down. Hmm. And this is less than 10 years old. There is absolutely no excuse for this. Right. And it, yet they, be because accessibility is a choice. And they chose not to because, you know why? they probably seen the money. Yeah. Oh, no, we're going to put it elsewhere. Yeah. I don't want. I don't like to get into it, but you, I, I seen the budget, the Canadian federal budget the other day, two hundred million dollar billion dollars. They're spending seven hundred nine million on security and and accessibility in different areas. None of that accessibility revolved around people with disabilities. Interesting. And yet they gave a six percent raise on ACE, the the Alberta Living. They raised it from sixteen hundred to seventeen, and that's it. And they all they did that to buy votes. There's now talk that they're gonna they're gonna freeze it for five years. Do you think that? Uh, the, okay, sometimes I think I'm gonna ask dumb questions. No, please, because I, I do think that this is it's an obvious answer. Mm. It's looked past, and it's it's looked beyond and it's uh it's a choice because yep. technically you're a minority yeah right um there there are not as many disabled people as there now hang on for a sec because i think i know what you're gonna say there's not as many disabled people as there are able-bodied people but to your point 
we're all going to be disabled at some point. It's about being proactive. I have friends. Uh, I j- was just talking about you. I'm trying to remember who I was talking to. Hopefully, talk- hopefully good things. <laughs> uh, there was 50-50, but, but there was there was about um, five different people I've talked to about you in the last week since you and I met at UCAN, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And I had two of them say, oh, that totally makes sense because they had gone through experiences where they yeah. had some pretty severe injuries. And and that's what you're talking about. Like they technically yeah. were disabled for the, the, these people were like three to yeah. six months. And they said it was so hard to mm-hmm. get around and to get things done and to get into places and to yeah. do all these things. And yet we still, as a society, as a culture, don't look at, you, uh, I'm going to say you, um, like we need to do more. Now, all that being said. I think I think I know why. Okay. It's because it's not happened to them yet. Right. They don't care unless it happens. So I use this in a good way. So please bear with me. You look at indigenous people. You look at the Black Lives Matter movement. You look at the gay community, all these other minorities, okay? What what do they all have in common, especially the indigenous and the black community? What do they all have in common that finally helped them make change? Something bad happened to these communities for finally ears to start perking up for change to be made. We're talking about residential schools now and, and making change. That should have been talked about years ago. We're talking about racism at an all-time high. But it's it all happened. Guess what? Because someone died. George Floyd died. Whether you agree or disagree on that, that's a whole other story. But because someone died, now it's amplified. So as I tell people, I go, what's it going to take? And I told a, I told a, you know, a political figure this. I said, what's it going to take? It's going to take for someone like me to die to finally make change. I want to be here when change is made. Right. I want to be here when, Brad, you helped us understand. You helped us educate. You helped us bridge that bridge that gap. Right now, I'm on a. Right now, I feel like I'm on an episode of, you know, Yellowstone or 1886 or those other shows. It's it's a gravel road. I'm driving with my horse and buggy, and we're just trying to get a pavement. They're pioneer. We're, we're, we're trying. We're you know exactly pioneer something, because for for 29 years, again. Nobody did anything for me. I didn't expect it. But I got to do something for my community. Have you... Uh, <coughs> I should have asked mm-hmm. you this prior to us coming on. Have you ever watched the documentary Crip Camp? Yeah. That was a... Yeah. What do you that, think of that documentary? That was that was part of the... We could have talked about it, but that was part of the fire to start my business. Okay. So yeah. let's talk about it for just a, a minute sure. or two. Sure. I got told about this. Is it on Netflix? It is, yeah. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. I was actually felt very uncomfortable with the name Crip Camp, yeah. which is short for cripple. cripple. Yeah. Which I am under the assumption is a bad word. Oh, that's nowadays, yeah. To, to, right. Yeah. Like, so when I hear Crip Camp, I'm like, ah, what the heck is this? Yep. Essentially, and I'm going to let you tell more sure. about it um, sure. than me, but it was a documentary that I started watching. Very honestly, Brad, I felt very uncomfortable at times watching it. And I think that was the best 
thing for me 100%. was to feel very uncomfortable watching it. Because I'm a believer that we need to feel comfortable being uncomfortable in order to bring change into our lives. And talk about this documentary because I really, really encourage people to watch it. So you've seen the state that show was in in the 50s. Right. I strongly believe we're still there. Mm. We are Canada. Canada. The land of the free, the land of this opportunity. We are 20 20 to 30 years at least behind in terms of accessibility mm. and policies and, and, and all this stuff. You you watch that show, people getting showers one time a week. Right. That still happens. Yeah. That still happens. I, I, I remember personal story attached to that. I remember my, my parents hired home care when I was little because they had to work. And yeah. I was still home, so they'd, they'd have someone come in and help me prep meals and get dressed sure. and you know, shower. Right, and I'm a very clean. I like to shower every day if sure. I can, at minimum every second day, but yeah. every day if I can. Yeah. Right, and and they came in, and literally, no, we're not paid. We're paid to shower you once a week. I said, Are "You fucking out of your mind? Are you fucked? Like legitimately? Like what the fuck is going on?" And they go, "That's all the government allows us to do is once a week." And I seen it with my grandpa. Um, you know, when he was on his last legs, once a week, he was, we would show up, he was covered in his own feces. Yeah, my dad gets showered once a week. And my grandma had to go and do that. Like, what are we, d- we're not, I'm not an animal. Right. We're not, we're not zoo animals. Yeah. We're not prisoners. And this documentary shows so much of that. So much of that. It, and, it was, it was disturbing and I, to watch. And I encourage people, but that's the key. Right. I encourage people, I encourage students, schools, adults, I encourage people every time I speak to watch this show. Do you know why it was more, why it was uncomfortable for me? The disturbing part, like I'm, I'm now I don't want to scare people from watching it. No. The disturbing part to me was what you're talking about, is that these people were treated the way that, and still are treated and the way still, that treated, okay? It's still um, uh, The part that was uncomfortable for me, though, is what I talked about earlier uh, when we were chatting here, mm-hmm. is um, nonverbal disability folks. I, I felt uncomfortable watching it. They were showcasing some of these people. Mm-hmm. And, and as an ignorant person, sure. um, and especially when I was younger, uh, I actually worked in some classrooms and young in my career with people sure. with disabilities, verbal, sure. nonverbal, mm-hmm. physical, all that stuff. Yeah. Which taught me so much, and it changed. You know, it gave me more confidence in dealing with people with, yeah. with disabilities and, and interacting. But but some of the scenes in that documentary made me feel so uncomfortable. Again, because I didn't understand it, and I I, I felt sorry for these people. But I think your message is: don't feel sorry for no. me. Come alongside no. me and help me bring change. Yeah. Is that is that fair to say? A hundred percent. I go back to my story. I'm not a person of color, but I was I was so disturbed by what was happening mm-hmm. that I got inspired to help or you know be a voice or you know For whatever. Black Lives I, Matter. Exactly. Yeah. You know, same with the indigenous people. I'm right. like, this is so wrong. We need to do something. It needs to be the same with the disabled community. Yeah. You know that this is so. I am so disturbed. I am so appalled mm-hmm. that we need to do something. You know. People, I always tell a story. People always tell me, Brad, you inspire me. 
Your story inspires me. You're such an inspiration. You're this, you're that. I don't want your words. I want to inspire you to do something. Mm -hmm. Get up and stand with me. Walk alongside me. Right. Come to a protest if we do a protest. Come to a, an event that I host or an event that you host and support just to show that, hey, we're in this thing together. At the end of the day, when you look at the word disability and you look at my business, even my, my business, Disability Accessible by Design, when you look at the word disability, I purposely crossed out this. And what do you get? You get the ability. There were some powerful, powerful people in this community that have some incredible abilities that even could be nonverbal because they'll tell you with their eyes. Right. They'll tell you their story Absolutely. with their eyes. Absolutely. They'll tell you their pain. They'll tell you what they're going through. Yeah. Right? You just need to listen. We just need a platform. We just need somebody to be like, I get it. And you know what? That one person, I, I got to give kudos. I had, I grew up in Spruce Grove. Came back to me eight months ago. They seen what I was doing. You know, all, all the stuff in the hospitality and making change and positive change. We weren't attacking people. We are doing it the right way. And the mayor of Spruce Grove, Jeff Acker, brand new mayor, reached out. And he goes, Brad, we need your help. We want to create change. We want to stand with you. How can we help you? And I said, well, you know where the change starts? Ground level. Did you know, before I get into that, the person making disability decisions in government is not disabled. How are they making decisions on my behalf? Right. How does that work? It's like, it's like trying to run youth programs without actually asking the youth what they want. Right. Exactly. Right. Right? So I said, that's what we need. Ground representation. He goes, Brad, we got this brand new building. We just got permanent four, first layer of blueprints. We want your help. I want you to go through blueprints, go through the building, make recommendations. We'll pay you. This is not a free job. We'll pay you, which is also a huge step because I'm not a token. Mm -hmm. I'm not a pat on the back. No. This is where people, I think, need to, we need to pivot. I wanted to be a for-profit business for a reason. I wanted people to take me seriously. I wanted people to have skin in the game and understand that this is not a joke. This needs to be taken seriously. So we agreed upon a price for you know, 50 hours, 60 hours, whatever it was. And the day I received the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Medal for the work in my community that I've done, and I'm honored to, to receive that, the same day I'm sitting in the mayor's office, they accepted 19 of our 21 recommendations in the brand new building. Which is amazing because you said normally it's less than 50%. It's right? less than 50%. Yeah. Wow. And now. And, I and listen, I love how you dropped your queen medal. Okay. Like, oh, I thank get, you. Okay. I get it. <laughs> it's a big deal. You got, you know. Sorry, I didn't bring on. with me. but <laughs> <laughs> That is a very cool Excuse thing me. you received. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Thank you. You deserve it. I think it's amazing. <laughs> um so they took 19 and 21. So now let's talk about this quickly. This is what your job is. So yeah. I actually think your job is bigger than that. I think you're an advocate. I think that you're Thank over you. there, um, you know, really getting the message out, talking to as many people as you can. But your yeah. your company does what you just talked about. You work yeah. with the city of Spruce Grove. You're looking. You've got some other clients. So this is what we did earlier this week is that mm. we decided, although I didn't pay you because I'm cheap, that's we decided good. to have you come out just for a quick kind of half hour and tour around you can. Yeah. 
And this is one thing I like that you said when you came. You said, Kyle, I'm not here to shit on you. And I don't want to be that way. I want no. to build relationships with people. I yeah. want to build bridges with people. Because I, I want you to refer me to your people. There you, there you, you go. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I want but to also, be- you, this, you're, you're not here to make people feel bad. No. You're fired up, man. You're passionate. Yeah, There's yeah. a couple times we're like, we got to turn the mic down here. This guy's yelling. <laughs> you're a preacher. Sorry, guys. No, you're a preacher. <laughs> and I love it because yeah, I you. love passion. Thank and you. I love all that. Thank you. Um, Brad, you're a real inspiration to me. So let's go do, <laughs> do some about it, buddy. Let's go. I know you need to call me out on that because yeah, let's go. it's easy yeah. for me to tell you that. Yeah. So we brought you to UCAN. We hung out for a bit. We got to know each other, had a good chat. And sure. Then, and then we, we walked around UCAN. And yeah. you said you weren't going to shit on me, but how how was it? How like to Give me your little verbal assessment. I'll tell you. It's a very old building, for one. This, yeah. this building was, what, 19... 19- Probably the oh, 20s. no, the yeah. original was like 1912, but where we are is in the, from the 60s. Okay, yeah. so we'll call it the 60s, okay? <coughs> one, one, thing, uh, one thing I noticed right off the hop was there was no accessible buttons to get in the door. So, again, that's a challenge in terms of if I was by myself or maybe you were busy doing something and maybe it's, you know, it was cold that day, it's snowing that day. Yeah. You know, if there's, if there's someone out there that maybe can't feel their extremities very well and they can't, I mean, within five minutes they frostbite or whatever you know if there's no button and they're struggling to get in they need one hand on their chair to hold them up or their walker their cane or whatever it is and they're trying to hold open it's not a light door for it might be light for you it's you know there's a lot going on here yeah so to have having a button is so it's simple yet it's not simple because there needs to be wiring all this other stuff right but it's it's a easy fix in terms of, and it doesn't cost a ton of money in the grand scheme of things, right? right? And this is how I explain it to people even in, you know, when, we're, when I'm making recommendations, whether it's renovating a new building, whatever, it's actually cheaper to do it right the first time. Sure. So obviously in the 1960 building, they didn't think of this stuff. It was whatever. So let's do it piece by piece. I'm not going to throw you, you know, here's 22 recommendations, here's, and that's 10 million bucks. No, okay, here's... What can we do in the next three to six months to make this thing better? Sure. And realistically, and you're saying adding a button to the first point of access to first the point building access. Is, is probably the first thing that should be done. First point of access. That yeah. should be the first thing done. Yeah. Second thing, uh, bathrooms. Obviously, you know what? I love that the doors were propped open because yeah. uh, normally they're not. Yeah. So that, that was kudos to you guys for doing that. I, I, you, and you mentioned they're, they're always propped open. But can I, tell you, can I tell you this? I have sure. no idea why they're propped open. So it's, uh, uh, being very honest with you, we didn't yep. do that because we're like, oh, what if somebody has a right. wheelchair? Right. They're just propped right. open. But so. but again, it's one less barrier for me. Right. Typically, if that door's closed, again, it's a heavier type door. Yeah. Old I'm, wood. I'm kicking yeah. it open with my feet, with sure. my chair moving forward. Sure. I'm, it's this whole other thing that I don't need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right? And then when I got in there, obviously, first thing I know is very small stalls. Yeah. There is no way I'm getting in there. Yeah. There is no way I'm even getting close to getting in. No. Right? You swing the door open, it's it was a whole ordeal. So yeah. really to proper fix you'd have to you'd have to rip those out and, and completely replace them. Yeah. Obviously because it's a school and I don't know if they Yeah, do we it. we rent for the listeners, we rent an entire kind of wing of this old yeah. school. We have our own entrance. So all that stuff. The other fix I found that could be simple is the urinals along the wall adding bars, two bars, 
to the one urinal, not everyone, but one urinal. You pick which one, typically the end one. I think the one right in the middle just because oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I don't know about right. you, but I always go to the middle <laughs> just in case other people walk in and it's uncomfortable. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's sure. If you want to do the middle, okay. Um, the one at the end. We'll go to the one at the one end. The end. And it's, you know, I got bars to hold myself up or yep. balance or whatever the case may be, right? Um, so that is another. It's It, it might not be simple. But that is but a, it's simple a simple fix. We're talking fix. about some, putting some bars yep. on the wall. Yeah. Right? And that, again, three to six month type thing, right? Right. And, and in reality, that could be done, you know, next week. Right. If we got on it, right? Um, I, I love the space of, you know, the kitchen. The office space was nice and spacious. Uh, it, it, I, I thought the entire layout, outside of those couple minor things, were act, you actually did a great job. And the school itself, obviously kudos to the school, it's it's laid out pretty well. Well, and we got to remember, too, this is a, a, a main level. Yeah. There's no stairs. We don't no. have stairs. We don't have no. anything like that in our part of that building. Right. Um, I'm glad that you said overall it's pretty good, but I will tell you this. It was not done by design on our part. No. I'm I'm being honest. Sure. There was not one thing when we were, because we renovated right. a lot of that space 13 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And there wasn't one time where I was like, oh, how do we make this? Ex-? It wasn't in my thought pattern. Yeah. It yeah. just wasn't. And yeah. And, and I'm I'm glad you came and we did a walkthrough. I was happy to hear that you were happy with with a lot of it. A lot of it. Um, yeah. But I'm impressed. so glad that we talked about the things you talked about. I'll be very honest with you. Let's say you're giving me three recommendations right now. Okay, there's probably more you can give me, but let's say you give me three. I know I can do one, For but sure. I don't – this is not trying to make an excuse. I can definitely approach the school yeah. and say, hey, we need to have a, a disabled stall here in yeah. the bathroom. Uh, yeah. What's it going to cost to get um, the the yeah, button yeah. for the Course. doors? Yeah. Uh, because if we change a light bulb in that place, we have to go yeah. through the school division. Well, right? and, and like we talked about, it's all about bringing. It's yes, it's a cost, right? But you got to bring value attached to that cost. Yeah. This is what this can do. Yeah, I'm able to youth youth can or you you can services can now you can accept right disabled people right right now now a person with a disability can can stroll in there comfortably. I just love the right? idea of you and just putting the button on the door. So we're gonna check into that. Listen. Um, we're going to wrap this up here soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've been talking and talking. I could talk to you for for so and We're going to do more talking. Uh, thank you, yeah. Very, very quickly, and I'm talking like in a, in a minute or two, <laughs> yeah. I need you to explain what your initiative is that you're doing right now. Um, where you're, This is the, yeah. it isn't me, it's we. Uh, yeah. Idea of bringing community together to yeah. help people with disabilities kind of yeah. do some cool stuff. Yeah, so, so what is this? So obviously we talked about the for-profit side and my yeah. business and, and making money. This is a way for me to get back and, and really generating education awareness. That's all it comes down to. And we, we me, and bring, building that bridge. And it's called the Hope Campaign. So the Hope Campaign is help one person every day. And that, that's our mission and our vision. So my team and I have uh, came up with the idea for 364 days. We want to give something to someone in the disabled community to elevate their life just a little bit. Whether that's, you know, gift cards to the restaurants that we work with. And maybe people can't afford to go for a nice dinner. Maybe they've never been because they're just, they don't know. So it's giving them that opportunity to do that. It's 
We've teamed up with a ramp company to give away a custom ramp. Uh, Oilers tickets, Elks, whatever it may be. Something small. And then on day 365, the granddaddy of them all. It might be day 400, but you get the, the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. um, we want to build a fully accessible house wow. and give it away. All the money raised above and beyond that house will go back to a local charity that benefits people with disabilities. Yeah. And we're, we want to do this not, not a yearly thing. This is an every year thing. My goal and my mission is to build a fully inclusive uh, housing community built in your community. So your neighbor can have an accessible house and you would never know. You know, not a not a group home, not a segregation, right, right in your community. Right. You know, and, and I want this to go Canada wide. I want this to go globally. I want this to I want this to pick up so much steam that we got people talking about this every year and raising money and 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 just again it's all about education and awareness i got a couple ideas that i think you can can do to contribute to this we'll talk sure after about sure, it, but, um, it. where can people find this initiative and and how can they donate yeah so go to www.hopecampaign.ca there's a donation uh, button right on the home page you can click there donate uh, all the money goes to a local charity we teamed up with adaptabilities yeah. uh, this year it'll be a different charity every year we want to give everybody kind of a piece, different piece of the pie every year and elevate them. Adaptabilities this year, uh, they get all the money, so you get a tax receipt, all that mm-hmm. stuff as well. And, uh, you know, it'll all go towards gifts and, and ultimately the house at the end of the year. And people can also donate gift cards. They can donate 100%. experiences. They can donate yeah. things, right? Yeah. That, that uh, nominations are huge too. So right. if you know anybody in the community that, you know, you think might deserve something, that maybe. Is not out in the community. It could be yourself. It could be your neighbor. Whatever. Uh, please, we're always looking for donations. We need to give away 364 things. So the more donations, the better. And nominations. You're a real inspiration, Brad Bartko. Well, Kyle, let's go do something <laughs> about it. I. This is a commitment I'm going to make to you. We're going to do something. I am going to do something about it. Awesome. All right. I promise you that. And I awesome. need you to hold me accountable to it. I of course. really, I really, sincerely want you to do that. All I right. will. I'm thankful that you came on here. Thank you. You are passionate. You are fired up. Like I said, you're a preacher, man, and I love it. Thank you. I also want you to know that you taught me, um, and I'm, it's, it's a work in progress because I think it's as, as we're growing and developing, it never stops in our lives. But um, you've taught me how to look at the person, not the disability, instead of the disability with the person. And I am so thankful that you taught me that. That saying, it's, just, it's simple. It's easy to look at. Um, you are a relentless guy, and that's why I wanted you on this podcast. Thank I you. actually believe that you've had relentless pressures on you because of CP mm-hmm. and because of, of um, you know growing up with this disability in a chair. Yeah. But I think that you have proven so many people wrong of, oh, I, I'm living here. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Um, that's uh, what keeps me going. Which I think is amazing. People. I think it's amazing. Um, folks, look up Brad Bartko. He's on. The, what's what's your Twitter handle? Uh, broadcasting Brad on Twitter. Brad Inspires on Instagram. And Brad Bartko on Facebook. Look him up. Hang out. Follow him. Do all that type of stuff. And definitely check out the Hope Campaign. Yeah, www.hopecampaign.ca. And your company? Uh, Disability ABD. I have a Facebook page, website, all that stuff. All as well. that stuff. Look it up. Yeah. 
Thanks, Brad. We appreciate you for being on the Relentless Podcast and uh, best of wishes with everything that's going on. Thanks so much for giving me a platform and opportunity. Appreciate it. And always remember, it's not about me, it's about we. All right. So for the work. Take care. Cool. Thanks.